Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to This Week Cyber Church with Jim Richards. You know something? Every week, people all over the world join together with you right here. And man, we plug into the Word of God. We open our hearts up to the Spirit of God because really, I want you to live life at its best. That's what Jesus came for you to do. He came for you to have abundant life. So here we go. You know, this is the beginning of a new and crucially important series. I'm talking about the mysteries of the new covenant. And I'll talk to you later about why I'm calling the mysteries of the new covenant. But suffice it to say, right now, one of the things that I have seen, not just really in recent years, but I've seen this for pretty much the last 50 years, and that is the fact that believers today seem to have an incredible amount of confusion about the new covenant. And there's all kinds of aspects to this confusion that people have. But one of the things that people struggle with is really a confusing of the old and the new covenant. It's really interesting in so many dimensions of our Christian life, we're really approaching God, not on the basis of what Jesus did, but we're approaching God on the basis of the old covenant. Now, Jesus came in and established a new covenant in his blood. That means that to not relate to God on the basis of what Jesus accomplished through his blood, it actually means that I'm really counting the blood of Jesus as an unholy thing. In other words, there's nothing special about it. If I'm going to go back to the old covenant, then basically I'm making a statement that we didn't need a new covenant. We'll just take the old covenant. We won't worry about what Jesus did. Now, I know nobody really intends to do that. Nobody really intends to say that. But that's really what we're saying through our beliefs and through the way that we're approaching God. Now, I've heard a lot of things tossed around about the word covenant. Now, the, the word covenant uh, is really almost identical to the word contract. Now, some people say, no, no, a covenant is greater than a contract. Maybe, maybe not. But suffice it to say, a covenant is a, an agreement. It's an agreement made between two people, two or more people. And in this agreement, everybody understands the promises or the provisions of the covenant or the contract or the agreement. And everybody understands uh, their responsibilities, their side of, of what they will do to engage in this particular covenant. And that covenant stays in force for all of the people who really follow by the guidelines, follow by uh, the provisions and, and the responsibilities and that everybody you know, takes on themselves. Well, it, it's really interesting that, that we don't do that in our relationship with God. It, it, it amazes me at the overall lack of awareness in general among Christians today of, of what Jesus 
did when he came here, what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, what any of that really has to do with relating to God. You know, there's a, there's a general concept of, okay, Jesus died for my sins, so my sins are forgiven. But beyond that, there's really not much of an awareness of the fact that he entered into a covenant with God, and we with him enter into that covenant. And there's all kinds of misunderstandings about it, but basically the biggest thing is people don't really know and understand the covenant and what our part in that covenant is. Now, there was, God made an old covenant, and one of the things that you will understand by the time we get through this series is you're going to understand uh, what aspects of the Old Covenant, what benefits of the Old Covenant actually are transferred into this New Covenant. But let's look at it this way. Just imagine that you purchased a house years ago and you're paying this really enormous interest rate on your loan. And so now, at the time of this recording, interest is incredibly low so you would go to your bank and you say, you know what, I, I want to get a new contract. And so you'd get a new contract. Now, in this contract, the benefits of the contract are really the same because you're still keeping your house. You're still getting everything that was in that original contract, but now you are getting that contract by new and better terms. And that's one of the things that the Bible tells us about this new covenant, that it is a better covenant. It, is, it has better promises. In other words, everything about this covenant is better. And so none of you would get this new contract on your house that would lower your payment, say, by $100 or $200 a month and keep paying the payment based on the old interest rate. Well, that's a type or a way to understand what we're doing when we try to relate to God based on the old covenant. And, and I understand there's a lot of paradoxes in this that can be kind of confusing, but over the next few weeks, we're going to unravel this whole thing about the new covenant. And suddenly this is going to make sense for you. And you're going to stop approaching God just on the basis of your whims, on the basis of what religion has told you. And suddenly you're going to realize that, you know what, this thing, this thing can work. It's not really that difficult for us to work. Uh, it's not that difficult for me to enter into what is provided for me, you know, through this covenant. Now, for decades, I have warned believers all over the world that one of the greatest frustrations that we face today, and you know, we're, we're in the information age. That's not just the information age out in the world. That's the information age even in the church. We're in this information age where we are bombarded with information, and you know, we're discovering facts out of the Bible uh, that They've always been there. They, they weren't hidden. We just didn't see them because of where religion had held us captive and darkened our mind and that sort of thing. So we've been growing in our informational understanding of the Word of God for decades. But the great frustration that so many believers face is the inability to actually get this new information to work. And I'm telling you, that, that is incredibly demoralizing. Information that doesn't translate into real-life application and real-life experience 
is incredibly frustrating. It is discouraging. And in fact, it will destroy your faith because when you, when you get information out of the word of God and it doesn't work, then you're going to go somewhere strange most of the time. You, maybe you're going to go to legalism where you start saying, well, there's something wrong with me and I got to fix something with me and I got to do better with God. And I've got to put forth more effort. And I've got to pray more and I've got to get more sin out of my life. All of those kinds of things. And you know, it's not, I'm not saying you don't need to do those things, but I'm saying that's really not usually the real problem. Or uh, maybe you'll just go to a place where you say, okay, you'll dispensationalize everything. Okay, so uh, God doesn't do these types of things anymore. So, so really, the, I, I got to figure out what part of the word of God applies to to life in the real world today. Or maybe you just go to a place where you say, you know something, I just, I just can't trust God anymore. I remember years ago, uh, a really good friend of mine, a, guy, a man that was really serious about God, loved God, and, and I'll never forget him making this statement. He said, look, God never promised you anything except to get to heaven. And I remember thinking, how could you read the Bible and miss the hundreds of promises that God made to all people who believe on Jesus? Well, you know, that happens when we're not getting these things to work. And the only other possibility uh, is that we just don't believe. Well, what is that we don't believe? Believe in God, believe in Jesus. What is it you're saying I don't believe? Well, what we tend to not believe is we tend to not know and believe the new covenant that Jesus established in his blood, the, the terms and the provisions of that new covenant, how to relate to God, how to relate to our inheritance based on this, really it's the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we don't have the right understanding of what the provisions are in that, or because we don't trust uh, what what the Bible says those provisions are, because we didn't know they were there. Whatever reason, it doesn't really matter. The question is, can you get it to work? And if you can't get it to work, I got a good feeling that this is really going to help you, uh, help you get down to getting a life in God that really, really works in a profound way. And it's not going to be a bunch of legalism. It's not going to be a bunch of hyper faith. It's not going to be a bunch of foolishness. It's just going to get down to connecting to what Jesus did for you through his death, burial, and resurrection, the covenant that he established with God and understanding the terms and the provisions of that. Now, Many people, I've heard this said, you've probably heard this said, people talk about how that, how that you know, I wish God had given us a, a, an owner's manual. Well, you know, when, we get, when kids come there, we need an owner's manual. Well, God did give us an owner, owner's manual. It's the Bible. But the problem is, when we read the Bible, religion has so obscured uh, how we read it, what we understand about it, that the real truth is we don't find much practical application in it. But I want you to know, God did not leave us without a map. God did not leave us without an owner's manual. He did not leave us without a blueprint. And uh, on this journey that I'm going to take you on, you're going to discover more and more and more about how to walk this out with God. You're going to discover more and more and more what the blueprint really is and how to put, how to bring all this to function really in real life. You know, all of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and really a lot of the book of Hebrews 
points us to one specific place in the Bible where we can come to understand what it is that God's really trying to accomplish in our life and how to make that journey with God. And basically, it is the story of the Exodus, of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, uh, getting free from Pharaoh, uh, crossing the Red Sea, going to Mount Sinai, and making this journey into the promised land. This is a type, a picture, a model of us coming out of the world, uh, uh, giving our lives to Jesus, surrendering to him as Lord. And every event in that journey was a type or a shadow that helps us understand the journey that we are making with God. And Canaan, the promised land, represents where we come into the kingdom of God in our heart. We get born again, before we enter the kingdom, we get born again, and it makes it possible for us to have the realization that there is a kingdom and that we can enter into, and that in that kingdom, we can literally have heaven here on earth. And so you'll, you'll learn a lot about all of that this week. Now, despite all the vain ramblings of pop theology, the Bible gives us one clear and simple reason why the children of Israel, most of them that came out of Egypt, never entered the promised land. Now, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10th chapter, when it, when it shows us all of these things about how we can understand our struggles through looking at what happened with the children of Israel on that journey, in verse 13, it concludes, it says, and basically God's saying, look, I want you to realize nothing you're facing is unique. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to all men. There's nothing unique about the battle that we're fighting today. There's nothing unique about your personal challenges. But he says that in every situation, God has made a way of escape. And when we look at the model that God gave us, instead of just going to, like, say, some crazy pop theology that has nothing to do with what the Bible really tells us, we get into all kinds of fighting the devil, screaming and binding, loosing, uh, all kinds of ways of praying, all, working all kinds of religious formulas. And at the end of the day, we very seldom ever find ourselves really improving the quality of our life, really improving our relationship with God. We feel better for a little while because, man, we put forth all this effort and put, you know, put all this energy into trying to make something work. And you, know, you do feel better after you do those kinds of things. It just doesn't bring the lasting benefits that it should bring to us. And that's one of the things, when you apply God's word from the perspective that you're going to discover in this series, you, you start realizing that you don't just get these momentary breakthroughs, a reprieve in the warfare and that kind of stuff. You actually find uh, true, not just answers, but solutions that transform your life by transforming your beliefs and transforming your character and broadening your, your connection and your understanding with God. Now, Psalm 78, verse 37, all of Psalm 78 talks about the struggle that the nation of Israel had in their, in their journey into the promised land. And so we can get some insight into this understanding our journey from coming out of the world, getting saved, starting to walk with God, and whether or not we'll ever enter that realm that the Bible calls the kingdom of God, whether or not we'll ever enter into that place 
where we're experiencing heaven on earth, where we got peace in our heart, even when the world around us is blowing up, where we enter that place where against all odds, we trust God and somehow we always come out on top. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a realm that you can enter into in your heart where at the end of every struggle, you come out a better person. You come out more confident in God, more, more peaceful, more loving, more kind. And I'm not saying that God sends those things to you to to develop these things i'm just saying that when you connect to god no matter what you're facing you can connect to god in a way that you experience victory in a way that's more than just winning some kind of battle out here it's a transformation where you win a battle on the inside about how you think about how you believe about how you see things now listen let me before i go any farther let me just mention this before i read this scripture um i am going to have with this a an audio series and listen, in this uh, series, I'm going to be sharing with you for free online. Man, I'm going to cover everything I'm going to cover. I'm going to give you hours and hours of incredibly valuable truth and information and ways to apply it to your life. But there's always people who say, you know what, Jim, I want to go a little bit farther. I want to, I want to get deeper into this. And so we always create an audio series for people who are saying, you know, I, I want to go deeper. I, I, I need more solutions. I need more answers. I want to study this out more. I want to look at the Word of God more. And so uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be announcing that this series will be available. It's not going to be available for the first couple of weeks because I really just want to take you on this journey a little bit before we even introduce it to you. But here's the great thing. When you invest in yourself by purchasing one of our series, we are able to take those funds, those resources, and put those into reaching the world. So you're not just investing in yourself. You're also investing in, in the kingdom of God, reaching the ends of there. So just watch for it, and I'll be sharing it with you in a couple of weeks, uh, the audio series that I think will just take you beyond anything that you can imagine if you're really willing the truth. So Psalm 78, 37. This explains to us the single reason. Now, there's two or three factors in this, but it's one single reason why the majority of people that came out of Egypt died wandering around in the wilderness. Now, keep in mind, all of this is a type and a shadow of what happens in the life of the believer. The majority of Christians will spend their lives wandering in the wilderness without ever entering into that realm that the Bible calls the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, they are not the same thing, but they are intertwined very closely because the kingdom of God is a realm that you enter into in your heart that has to do with how you relate to Jesus as Lord, how you relate to the Word of God. It's about becoming... It's, it's about surrendering to him, his lordship, his kingship as, as a citizen in this kingdom. And so like Canaan, when you enter into that realm, you have resources, you have protection, you have provision that you don't have when you're wandering around out in the wilderness. And, and, you know, the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they were traveling through the nations that belonged to these, to these pagans that wanted to kill them, that wanted to destroy them. So they were always at risk. They were always fighting these battles. It was one struggle after another. And there's a reason that they spent 40 years, imagine that, 40 years on a journey 
that should have taken them about 11 days. Now, <clears throat> how many people I know, I have been in the ministry for almost a half a century. And I have seen incredibly sincere people, people that seriously were hungry for God, but through ignorance, through obstinance, who knows what the reasons were. I don't know what the reasons were. They would not enter into the terms of this covenant that God made through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, you see, we have this idea that getting saved, getting born again, is the end-all and be-all, and so that automatically then provides everything for us that, that God's got. Well, it does legally provide it for us. It, we are in a position where God freely gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but that doesn't mean that we actually experience it. It doesn't mean we enter into interaction with God where this becomes a reality in, in our lives. As a matter of fact, in the book of John, John chapter 3, where it talks about becoming born again, it talks about the fact that when we are born again, that then we can perceive the kingdom. Now, this means that getting born again in and of itself is not equal to entering into the kingdom, therefore it is not equal to heaven on earth. It's not equal to living in the peace of God that passes all understanding. It means that for the first time now, because we have been born again, we have made, been made new, the Spirit of God has come to live inside us, now we have a capacity that we didn't have a capacity to move in these spiritual things, to move into these realms that we didn't even know existed before now. And so, so our choice is this. We get born again and like the children of Israel, wander around for 40 years. It's not that you're not born again. It's not that you haven't plugged into Jesus. It's not that you're not experiencing incredible benefits in your life, but it never, the pieces never come together. You never find that place of rest where the struggle is over where you have come to that place where you're experiencing, like I say, heaven on earth. That's what the kingdom of heaven is about. It's about heaven here on earth. And the kingdom of heaven is something that can't be experienced uh, prior to experiencing the kingdom of God, the lordship of Jesus. So I want to help you enter into this. And here's what Psalm 78, 37 says. And this is their reason that they never entered into heaven on earth. Their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. God made a covenant with them, just like we have a covenant with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that it would have taken for them to stop wondering in the wilderness and be able to go into Canaan, the promised land, and experience all of these provisions, all of this protection, all these resources, all it would have taken would be in their heart to abide by the covenant that God gave them. And that covenant is not like, it's, this is not like I'm, you're going to earn something from God. This is not like you do this and God's going to give you this. It's not, it's not a reward punishment kind of situation. Uh, it, it, is, it is a belief that gives you the capacity to live in a realm 
or in a way that you have never, ever been able to live, that you cannot live by your own resources. Now, it's very important to understand something. When, when God revealed himself to the ancient world, as the, as the great I am. I, mean, I, just, I, I just love that scripture, as I'm sure you do. You know, when Moses, you know, when Moses encounters God at the burning bush, you know, God, the King James says, I am. You know, there are a lot of ways to express that in the Hebrew. It's like, it's like I am who I am. I am who I was. I am who I will be. In other words, I am the un changeable God. God lives in eternity, therefore he can't change. There's no yesterday, there's no tomorrow in eternity. There is only the right now, and God is living in the right now in eternity, and and we're living in this thing called time, but God isn't. God does not change. Now, what we don't understand is that Jehovah revolutionized the entire ancient world because unlike any other god that was worshipped by any other society in the world all of those false gods they were given to whims they acted sovereignly and all the word sovereign means it means that they act independent of the influence of some somebody else but they acted in a way that basically said they can do what they choose. They can kill. They can kill you today. Love you tomorrow. They can treat you good. They can treat you bad. They can make promises. They can go back on their promises. They could choose to make the, the, their subjects, uh, the, their worshippers. They could choose to make them suffer. And their goodness was never an attribute of their inherent nature. Instead, their favor and their goodness was something that could only be purchased by the degree of sacrifice or the degree of suffering that their worshipers were willing to endure. Their promises were not reliable. Now, Jehovah, like I said, he's the great I am. But one of the things that's interesting about him, number one, he is unchangeable. The Bible says he is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. But what's even more interesting than that, Jehovah is a covenant God. He, he revealed his identity through his covenant names and through the covenants that he made with different individuals throughout history. Now, so when God made these covenants, this means that he bound himself by his word and by his name. And God is saying, I am not unpredictable. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder who I am. You can know how I am because I'm going to make a covenant and, I, and, and, and I'm going to give you my word and I'm going to give you my name, which is in harmony with the covenants that I will make with you. And I will never do anything that violates my word and I will never do anything that violates my name. Now, so we are put in a position to say, I know who God is. And this is not just what God does. This is who God is. And this is who God is all the time. Now, do you know the covenant names of God? Do you know any of the covenants that God has made with people throughout history? Do you know the covenant that God made with the Lord Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection? If you don't, when you approach God in prayer or, or in, you know, in a crisis, you really have no confidence of how he's going to respond. You have no idea what he's going to do because you don't know who he is. Faith 
always come, all the word faith is, it means is trust. Faith is about trusting who God is. But the question is, do you know who God is? Now, <clears throat> the one reason they couldn't enter into the promised land is their heart was not steadfast in the covenant. I'm going to take you on a journey of establishing your heart in the new covenant. Now, what I want you to do between now and next week, I want you to begin to prepare your heart. Prepare your heart to accept the terms of the covenant. Even if you've never heard them before, you know, I'm going to give you all kinds of information, but it's going to be up to you to study this out, to go read these scriptures for yourself and decide if you're going to believe them or not. But you need to decide in advance. If I see something that is part of the covenant that God made with Jesus, I will accept it. And I will accept the responsibility to enter into it. You know, the raising of the hands is not just worshiping God in general, but the raising of the hand means I accept the terms of the covenant. You know what? Hang in here with me. This is going to be an incredible journey. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.